Hey guys, and welcome to The One Up Project. We're simplifying all things finance and lifestyle in a relaxed environment. It's all just a bit of fun, so be sure to keep listening and let the content be a catalyst for your own self-improvement. And we're back again with Luke and Phil today. I feel like I'm talking like I'm in the horse races or something, which yeah. is quite relevant to you there, Luke. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to be talking about horse racing today, unfortunately. We're going to be talking about tax. Oh, shit. <laughs> the Let's next talk about horses. Yeah. <laughs> hey, for anyone listening, gambling is non-taxable income. So oh. unless you're very, very good at it, there is a little piece of legislation that says that you may have to pay tax. So. Okay, mm. well. Sorry. No, 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 it's good to know because we are going to be talking about tax today and some of you might clicking off straight away but please don't because we're going to make it fun maybe probably not somewhat entertaining it's definitely going to be relevant that's the main thing sarah please tell us <laughs> and the viewers how you're going to make tax fun i'm really uh, intrigued <laughs> yeah you know what? i'm not even sure of that myself but we got we half go. an hour to figure it out <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly Let's go. um yes so i am confused about tax guys i don't know about secondary tax how that works, how tax with online shopping works. Um, I mean, recently I was working two jobs and before I started working the second one, I was told I was gonna get double tax and I shouldn't do that because it's not even gonna be worth my time. I may as well just stick to my one job even though I wanted to do two and earn a bit of extra money. Um, and then when I sort of gave it a Google, I realized that might not be the case, but then I was still being told not to do it. So I'm just a little confused around that, how, um, can. I'm a little confused about two jobs and concerned about your work-life balance. <laughs> well, check the last podcast out if you want to um, yeah. learn a few tips on the old work-life balance. But yeah, I was just a little bit confused about that. And then another thing I want to go into after this is also basics for contractors and, and how tax and, and that works for them as well. So, so yeah, I'm just confused and I need a bit of help. Look, you've raised some really interesting questions there, and I think the first thing that comes to my mind about tax is it's an umbrella term for different types of tax, and immediately the two things that you've raised is one is income tax, so there's one form of tax, uh, the tax that you pay on the money that you make, uh, and the second one that you raised was GST, mm -hmm. which is the tax that you pay for consuming stuff. So you buy something like a can of Coke, uh, you're going to have GST in that, and it's currently 15%. Um, so I, I think it's important to understand when we're talking about tax, what tax are we talking about? Yeah. Um, should we stick with secondary tax to kick off with? Yeah. yeah. Secondary tax is a form of... Income tax. Yes, 10 out of 10, Luke. Oh. Well done. Let's see, this is the chart of the counting in me kicking yeah. in. Yeah, I he's, didn't know. He's, he didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a huge myth around secondary tax, and I don't know who started it, but it's probably someone that was really lazy, and they didn't want to do any extra work, and so they started yeah. telling everyone that they would get double taxed. The Labour government. Oh. Sorry. All right, all right. Oh, gone political here. Relax. <laughs> so I've heard for years people worry about the exact thing you talked about, and, and still I would have mates call me late into my 20s, around oh i'm thinking about doing this but i've heard that i'm you know i'm, I'm only going to end up with i'm going to end up with sick double tax so that's 66 percent for me because i'm in the 33 percent tax bracket so therefore it's not worth me doing it so i'm only really getting a third of it and i'm like who told you this <laughs> um but 
secondary tax is a little buffer, basically, that you're charged to give the IRD a bit of insurance that if you were to move from one tax bracket to another throughout the year via having a higher income, that they will have collected enough tax from you throughout the year from both of those sources so that when they do your end-of-year wash-up, it's not that you've been massively undertaxed during the year, which then gives them a risk that they're not going to be able to get the money back out of you because you've had it and you've spent it on those cans of Coke that mm. Phil was just talking about. So okay. they put on like a little margin to, to safeguard themselves that they're going to be able to have first right to your money, um, which is probably another is a, another discussion as such. But you... An individual, if you're working two jobs, you're still charged at your... Is the term a nominal tax rate? Is that the word? <laughs> Phil's got know. no idea. Yeah, yeah. Not, Whatever your sorry. tax rate is for those combined levels of income, that's what you get taxed at. You don't get taxed at one for one and then double for the other Next, one yeah. at the end of the year. So, so I think for the listeners, by way of background to our tax system for income tax for individuals... You're taxed at different rates depending on how much you earn, and Luke mentioned on that earlier. So, being the nerd that I am, I don't know what the tax rates are, so Google has answered them for me. And I can tell you, up to 14 grand, you're going to pay tax at 10.5%, up to 48, from 14 to 48, at 17.5%, 48 to 70, 30%, anything over 70, 33%. And to Luke's point earlier, if you're earning uh, income at $40,000 $40,000 from job A, and then you go and get job B, and that's another $40,000, well, you're going to get taxed at 17.5% on both. Well, that's wrong, because in total, it's $80,000. So $10,000 of that needs to be taxed at 33%, and then there's a portion there between 48 and 70 that needs to be taxed at 30%. So the secondary tax um, that you pay... To what Luke was saying earlier is the method of adding on that bit of fat to make sure that your total income is taxed at the right rate so that at the end of the year, when IRD say that you've earned $80,000, you've paid the right amount and don't have anything more to pay. Yeah. Another myth I want to bust about tax rates as well is I actually had a friend talk to me the other day about how she is now going to be earning over $48,000 by $400. Oh. And she thought that because she's earning over that $48,000 that all of that money is then taxed at 30%. No, so it's only the $400 yeah. Yeah. that's over 48000 that's going to be taxed at whatever I said that rate was. Can't even remember, 17.5%, yes. 30%, yeah. whatever it is. Okay, yeah. that's good to know because I think some people might get confused with how those tax rates can work if you don't have that prior sort of accounting yeah, background. Or if, if your yeah. listeners genuinely are interested, there is a website, www.ird.govt.nz. Shout out to mm. our friends at IRD. Block Shout it. Out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and that does have the tax rates on there if you're curious. Yeah, yeah. Or I, even, I used to do it in my accounting job with Google New Zealand tax rates and they pop straight up. Yeah. on Google and you get that the the breakdown between what they're at and I think sometimes we'll even show you that between 0 and 14 you pay 1400 and oh, it might be 1600 bucks or whatever that tax take is and I guess for your listeners because they're all going to be well educated in time and earning a shitload of money they'll exactly. all end up over that $70,000 threshold so they'll be getting taxed at 33% on all of their forms of income so that will mean that 
they'll have money stacked in the bank and that will be earning interest and that ANZ will be taking 33% of their interest as revenue of holding. And that's where um, people can get caught out too because they might go bump up their into a, into that eighty thousand or seventy thousand dollar tax bracket, but the bank still thinks that they're earning you know whatever they were as a as a young father or or whatever, mm. and then they're not paying enough tax on their interest that they're earning and yeah. and things like that. So there's those things to think about as you go as well, and that's then it's been a bit of an issue with KiwiSaver as well as people getting taxed on on that too. So it is good to get your head around, but it is also comforting to know that. 33% is our highest tax rate. So if you have a $100,000 job and then you also have a side hustle that makes you $20,000 in profit, you're going to pay 33% on that that 20 grand as well. Yep. Mm. Above your 70, you're not going to then all of a sudden get have double the tax or yep. whatever myths that people make up. So yeah, hope does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that definitely clarifies it. So basically, you're not going to get double taxed if you work a second job and it no. probably will be you, worth you, it. you don't get double taxed, uh, certainly not, but I think the most important thing to be mindful of is if you are um, having two jobs or, or more than two jobs, make sure you've selected the correct secondary tax code. So that you're paying the right amount of tax, because the worst thing that you want is get to the end of the year and find that you haven't selected the right code and you've got a big tax bill, because mm. I know that you're going to want their money. Yeah, and they're automating all those tax returns now as well, yeah. so it'll be a lot more accurate and yeah. a lot more. And they're pulling in data from the banks and things like that as well yeah. for your interest and. Yeah, and even if you sell a house, for instance, I think they get that information, so they'll ask you. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Cool. All right. Yep. That definitely clears that up. Um, so then going into, for contractors and sole traders, I guess, what are, like, say, using the example of a personal trainer, um, if they've just started their PT business and now they're like, okay, now I have to do my own tax, I don't get what I'm, like, doing, what, where should they start from there? Like, what's the first thing they should go and do to start trying to get an understanding of how they're going to have to do their tax and that from now on? My step one would be, depending on who they're contracting to or who's paying them the income, they need to find out whether that payer of the income is holding back a level of tax or not, mm -hmm. or whether they it is their responsibility in their entirety to create their own tax return and declare uh, their income and expenses as well. They'll still need to do that if the payer uh, or the employer or the, um, you know, the gym as such is holding back some of their tax, but they need to have an understanding of whether they are paying any tax throughout the year in terms of withholding tax, which, which a contractor usually does, but depending on the gym, I don't know what arrangement gyms have with, with personal trainers. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a very good point, because um, that would count as towards your income tax. But I think um, thinking about it is, from a tax point of view, do you need to be registered for GST? So if you are planning on earning over $60,000 in a 12-month period, then you have to be registered. If you're okay. earning under that, you voluntarily register. Um, so you you'd then need to be aware of GST. Uh, and then on the income tax side of things, um, it's just good record-keeping and keeping a track of how much you're making during the year so that you can set aside some money for tax yeah. <coughs> so you don't get slapped with a big surprise at the end of the year. Yeah, and there's some pretty good accountants that help with that kind of stuff. There was, oh, the GST, there's sometimes people get confused between what the threshold is. The threshold, that 60,000 is 60,000 of, of sales. Okay. 
okay. so that means if you're selling sixty thousand dollars of personal training services so you don't mm. have to make a sixty thousand dollar profit mm. you have to have sold sixty thousand dollars worth of sessions or hours or mm. however boot camps or whatever it is if your total income is going to exceed sixty thousand you'll need you'll need to be registered so that's the, that it's compulsory to and like phil says you could voluntarily decide to so that what that means we've had one where we had one move from uh it was pt himself wasn't gst registered didn't need to be and then move to GST registration. Mm -hmm. So you need to be mindful if that is the case as you grow that you need to communicate that with all your clients because a hundred dollar session, if you don't, if you if you then register for GST, you you're going to lose fifteen percent of that because you're going to have to pay the GST on it. So you want to say, unfortunately, I've I've had to GST register, therefore the session is now a hundred and fifteen dollars, and then you collect the fifteen dollars as GST. Otherwise, you're going to be 15% out of pocket, which won't be $15. It'll be about $12, $13, I think. You'll so you end up a pay cut. You'll take a pay cut. Yeah. So, and we've seen that happen to a number of people when they've gone, well, I'll register, and then it takes them a whole series of returns to realise, like, oh, I don't have as much money, or what's mm. yeah, what's going on here? Mm. So be mindful of that. What are, the, are there any benefits to voluntarily registering for GST? Or if you don't have to, you shouldn't? Um... I think one straight off the top of my head where you might be doing mobile boot camps for instance and you might kit out a big Ford Ranger to hold all the gear and turn into this big gym type playground Mm. if you voluntarily registered then you could claim the GST back on that and get the GST back and then use that to help fund the business and and you might be pretty certain that this thing is going to take off and so you voluntarily register and whoever comes to work out with you they're paying GST from the start and you delay, you basically speed up the inevitable anyway, and that gives you use of that GST on the vehicle, something something like that. Yeah, that's, that's the key point, I think, for anyone that's registering for GST, is you're going to get to claim the GST on expenses that have GST charged on them. Um, the way I've looked at it before, if you're in business and it's business to consumer, uh, the consumer's not worried about whether it's your GST registered or not, but if you're doing business-to-business services, um, more often than not, the business that you're providing services to would have an expectation that you're GST registered so that they can claim it. Yeah, so maybe something like that, or you might be buying a whole lot of equipment and you want to claim the GST, like like Phil says. Okay. Or you're probably just confident that you're going to sell tens of thousands of yeah. dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of PT services because you help people create phenomenal rigs and they want to give you heaps of money. Mm. Yeah. I think when you first start, there's a fair bit of admin that you need to take care of. Um, so whether you're a sole trader, you decide for a company, whatever it is, set up a bank account to keep track of where all the money comes in and importantly where all the money goes out of and then get yourself a decent accounting system. Zero do have a cash book and they can take care of your GST. It makes sense, it's an inexpensive system to roll out on a monthly basis and gives you peace of mind that if you are GST registered, it's easy and it's done uh, and then you know makes the annual accounts income tax return preparation at the end of the year easy and then if you want to keep it even simpler almost but spend a little bit of money on somebody you could use there's a platform now called henry and i think it's h-n-r-y and that's for sole traders so that's people trading under their own ird number and they basically take a cut of your turnover for the year and then they file your gst returns for you your income tax returns and they help you do all of that compliance type stuff so you can focus on your gym work. So they've basically automated, they've basically automated an accountant at the sole trader level. Mm. So mm. yeah, and it, and it has been popular, and I've heard people raving about it. So 
Um, they've done it in a really cost-effective way. I don't know how they resource it in the background, but people seem to be happy. Yeah. And they've probably just built a really bulletproof system and niche down to people that are just trading but if you wanted to trade through a company for instance i don't think they offer that at this stage okay cool um do you think that doing all of that is something that someone can do on their own or they should seek help of someone external uh i i would say get help but again it comes down to your trade-off of time Mm. and whether you're prepared to pay for it or not um if if you think you're going to do it yourself and you end up leaving it till the last minute it's going to be hard um, and you probably kick yourself and go, I should have actually paid, you know, seven hundred bucks, twelve hundred bucks, whatever it is, for somebody else to do it. Mm. I would, because then it gives you peace of mind that it's taken care of. Yeah, yeah, and much like a personal trainer, you know, it's like for some people that can go to the gym and do it themselves, and they sort of know what they're doing. Other people want to plan up front, and then they'll carry on with, mm. the, with it themselves because they've got the information, and knowledge they need. Mm. Other people want the personal trainer every week to help them and hold them accountable and make sure that they're doing it all right. So it's the same for the accounting side of things. So I encourage them to think about it that way, have the awareness of are you actually going to get this done? Are you then going to create a problem for an accountant down the line where you say, hey, I need all this done tomorrow and you get an urgency fee, those mm. sorts of things. So just be a bit smart about it. And I'd always suggest getting a level of advice up front if you can, whether that be through an accountant giving you their time mm. uh, or you're having to pay a couple of bucks to somebody to find those things out because... You know, much like claiming the, the GST on the ute might sound great, we've seen it a hundred times where people have all the best intentions of having a successful small business and then it doesn't work out and they go back to employment and all of a sudden they've got to pay the GST back on the vehicle and the money's gone and then it creates another headache and things like that. So yeah. you want to understand the decisions that you're making and what the implications are going to be in the long term. And on the vehicle thing, as simple as it sounds of buying it and claiming back the GST on the face of it, yeah, it is. Mm. There's a whole heap of other things in the background that you need to consider. So I think whilst uh, registering for GST can be smart, um, go and get the appropriate advice. Yeah. Um, mm. Certainly don't rely on what we're covering off here in general broad terms as being specific for what your circumstances are. Yeah. Um, but go and get the advice and talk to the right people so that they can give you what you need to know specific to you. Would this be the same for like all contractors or like a PT and a tradie would be the same essentially or? The principles are the same. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, money in, money out, be smart on the admin, invest in the right professional support along the way and make it easy on yourself. That's one thing that we've got into a habit with our clients that are contracting is having a separate bank account. Mm. So they have a tax account and when they get paid, they put 20% into that mm. and then they know that they're usually going to be able to cover any tax coming up throughout the year. That's if you're not paying any withholding tax throughout mm. the year. So by the time you claim some expenses and whatnot, you've got a good little nest of cash there that usually goes ends up going straight to the ID at some stage. It's the people that don't budget for that or don't do anything about it and they all of a sudden get a big surprise and then they got to play catch up and they hate what they're doing. There seems to be this myth that the first year of business you don't have to pay tax or is tax free. Well, that's the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard. Uh, in in practical sense, yes, you, you, you're not physically paying any cash to IRD because IRD don't know that you've gone out in business on your own, but you will get right. a tax bill. Yeah. And then you'll be playing catch up. So on Luke's point, make sure you set that cash aside. And if you're terrible with managing your own money, um, 
pay the cash directly across the IRD, they will gladly bank any money that you send to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that can be your little nest egg there so you're not left with this huge big surprise. And in some cases, right. people uh, overestimate and they're left there with a bit of forced savings. So by mm-hmm. the time the tax return's done, there's a bit of a refund there. Right, so you can like give money to IRD before you even know what your tax liability is. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, okay, yeah. that's good. That's a good thing to know, that yeah. you can do that and like prepare before you even know what it's going to be. Mm. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, basically, I guess if you're a contractor, just starting off the first thing would be, you said, go to whoever's giving them the money, whether it's the gym or the, the um, clients or whatever. Mm-hmm. and then um, see how they're dealing with it and then from there go to ID and sort yeah, that tra- out. Yeah, track all your records. So keep a record of, of all your incomes and incomings and your outgoings. So yeah. loosely, as a rule, anything that may help you generate income could potentially be tax deductible. So whether you're travelling to boot camps or whether you're buying equipment for people to use to that you're then charging them to use in, in those classes, those sorts of things. So think about it that way to keep it simple. Yeah, yeah. But, but keep a record of it all. So use that separate bank account like Phil says and you can put everything through there and then maybe check with the accountant at the end of the year. Hey, I paid for these things, I wasn't sure. Yeah. And if not, no, nah, sorry mate, those aren't deductible and then they get coded out as drawings or, mm. um, or non-deductible. So mm. yeah, it's probably the way to do it. Random question, but if you get paid in cash oh. and you're doing everything like you should legally do you just how do you record that money do you like put it in like an excel sheet or do you put it do you put it into a bank account and then that's it being recorded or yeah Yeah, so people that are abiding by the law usually they'll then deposit that money at a bank yeah so that there's a trace of the money coming back in and that gets declared as income okay i mean it's equally as legal to use that cash to pay for new materials and Mm. and advise your accountant hey by the way i got two thousand dollars in cash and i spent two grand on new timber to build old mate's deck and it's a basically nets each other off so two grand in income two thousand dollars in expenses so nets back to zero but there'd be no record of it on the book so where people get caught out a lot that do want to dodge the law and 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 avoid um declaring income and it's getting harder and harder to do and the idea cranking down on it but they go to sell their business and they're talking about how this business turns over five hundred thousand dollars a year and blah 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 and there's no record of that money ever being banked and that income being declared so the potential buyer goes well this says it's only got done four hundred thousand worth of sales oh but we collect a hundred grand in cash and sometimes we pay it to this guy and to that one and they're like tell your story out to someone else mate I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm buying this business based on the fact that it only does 400 yeah. so they're trying to get the lowest price that they can to buy it and vice versa so right. that's something to be mindful of um, at, a, at a business level but yeah. people doing it correctly bank it and yeah, capture it that way mm. yeah cool. and if you don't bank it tell your accountant so that you make sure that you're um, paying the tax on it yeah and just remember that if you aren't declaring income that you are cheating the rest of the people of New Zealand who are paying tax on the income yeah. that they're making. So mm. whether that, how that morally sits with you mm. um, is, is up to you. But of course, you know, there's stories for, for decades and oh, people will do what's in their best interest at the end of the day. Online shopping, very important to me. I don't buy anything <laughs> online because I'm, you know, uh, of a general, I'm not a boomer. 
it's for anyone out there thinking of he is a boomer no. <laughs> uh, so I don't buy anything online <laughs> no I, I, I do but um, my understanding and Luke correct me if I'm wrong because you are a maestro with tax is um, New Zealand retailers got a bit upset that you could buy stuff overseas um, because New Zealand consumers particularly the younger ones like yourself uh, who's listening Mm. Uh, will go online and go well it's a much better range yeah and there's products that you can buy in Australia or even the US or the UK that you can't get here and Kiwi retailers were missing out so they were getting grumpy so maybe they should look at solving what the problems are in their business first mm. but that's another episode mm. um, <laughs> so the, the government tried to equalize it a little bit and uh, charge GST on everything that's bought overseas so um, my understanding of what I loosely know about it is if you're a retailer offshore and you are sending stuff to New Zealand, uh, they will have in that price that you're paying yeah. the New Zealand GST now. Yeah, they're responsible for it. Eh? And they'll collect it and then they will pay it to yep. um, IRD. Mm. Uh, the other one is, is if you've bought something online, it comes everything comes through New Zealand Customs just to make sure what's in your bag. Um, and if it clears, if it clears customs, you're all good. But customs might hold it, and they'll send you a bill, which will have the customs duty, their clearance fee, and the GST on the value of the goods. And you yeah. have to pay that before they release it to you. Mm. Yeah. So basically, it's just made those overseas items more expensive because they'll just pass on the cost to New Zealand yeah. consumers more more than likely so in theory you'd think it would be 15% more expensive because then they're having to pay GST but they'll probably add 20% because they want the GST plus the added admin yeah right okay yeah, yeah. So, so if you are checking out on a website and you don't see that there's an extra tax on it will that have been included in the price do you think or they just haven't like I, th- I think for the main retailers it would be yeah I'm not sure. Um, it, the stuff that I've bought overseas and it arrives, and I did some stuff last year, it, mind you, admittedly, this was before the new rules came in, uh, didn't get stopped at the border, didn't have to pay the GST, so I gave myself a high five on those one. Mm. Dodging the rules somehow yeah. over here. Nice. Yeah. Can we do a podcast on that? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Customer. Well, um, I guess it's good you know that it's the business's responsibility, not like not that it would be the consumers mm. but I when I'm buying something I'm always like oh shit did I get charged tax I don't want to have this come up later or whatever I think yeah. the new rules came in on 1 December 1 December yeah so just in time for the retail Christmas yeah well <laughs> if you're a smart shopper you would have shopped pre 1 December to make sure you meet those delivery cutoffs to reach New Zealand because yeah, well, you don't want to upset true. the crids on Christmas day right? he's very on to it isn't he yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. I think about these lead times yeah, lead yeah. times yeah beautiful but I, look, I think for most consumers uh listeners out there it's not a problem just keep shopping yeah yeah but refer back to earlier episodes on managing cash as to whether you should be shopping yeah exactly do you need that item you're about to buy from china (laughs) (laughs) too true all right cool well that sums it all up thanks guys for being here once again and um look out for future episodes everyone All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you were able to take something valuable away. Um, Be sure to subscribe and keep up with the socials for further episodes at The One Up Project, and I'll catch you on the next one.